what we're doing today is a direct application of what I just showed to you from Scripture is part of the mission of the church, um, namely that we should be proclaiming the whole counsel of God, including um, talking about things of society um, and fighting against trends in society that go against God's word. We want to see the kingdom advance, and that means all spheres of life. Um, So we'll have a time of prayer at the end, uh, particularly for the issues that we're going to be discussing today, but let me just begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much uh, for bringing everybody here this morning. We're so thankful, Lord, uh, for your grace, which is new every morning and which is sufficient for all that we face in this life. And we know that um, in this world there are great forces of evil at work, uh, great powers of darkness, and yet you are so much greater, and your word is so much greater than all the lies of this world. And so we pray, cause your word to triumph here in this church this morning and in your churches across the world. Help us, Lord, to not just hear, but believe and to be doers of the word as well. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Our topic for today is definitely not a fun one. (laughs) Um, This is a heavy matter, Uh, but we need to talk about abortion and um, I decided to do this class, like, I don't know, like uh, back in July or August. Um, part of it was uh, I knew Presbytery was going to be coming and I was going to be really strapped this week. And I was thinking, what would be a good, good topic to talk about? Um, and then the other piece was just recognizing that issue one was going to be before us. And we're going to be talking about uh, how we can respond specifically to that issue that's very much at the forefront of what we're about to face as a as a state, Uh, but I want to talk about abortion in the full sense, too, and just uh, spend a few minutes thinking about what does the scripture have to say about this issue, and how can we have a holistic response um, to the whole issue of abortion? The first thing I want to say is just to remind you that abortion, as it's currently, the current form that it's taking today is somewhat new in the sort of way in which it's being um, exercised clinically. but it's a very old issue. Um, the killing of unwanted children is ancient. And um, this is something we need to recognize. Um, and therefore, we shouldn't be surprised um, that the Bible actually has quite a bit to tell us of, um, about this issue. And the first thing we need to say is this, um, that abortion is the sin of murder. Um, there's just, it's, it's not a difficult thing to demonstrate. But an unborn child is a person, a human being, in the image of God. So even before they have been seen the light of day, what is their status? They are not a blob of tissue. They are not this sort of impersonal fetus. They are a human being in the image of God. We see this all over the place in Scripture. I'll give you a couple of Scriptures there, just talking about how God is knitting us together in the womb. and even talks about in Psalm 139 um, how... uh, God knows, before we've even seen the light of day, um, all the days that are written for us in the book of his decree. Um, So God has a story for us, even when we're in the womb. And uh, the unborn are treated as human in Scripture. And um, taking here, um, there's this nice little pamphlet by Peter Barnes I cite here. He, He brought all this out for me. I thought this was really great. He said that unborn people can move, they can leap, they can be consecrated to God's service, filled with the Holy Spirit, and blessed. Those are things that happen to human beings. 
right? And even unborn can do those things. Um, and any any young couple that's uh, ever had, or you know, older couple has ever had um, a little one in the womb, feeling that little one um, responding, you know, kicking when you give them a little nudge, right? Um, there's there's deeply human person in there. The same word, brephos, in Greek, is used to describe the unborn John the Baptist, the newborn baby Jesus, and the very young children that were brought to Jesus. Implication. Those are all, there's a continuation, right? Um, whether you're outside the womb or inside, you can be called a brephos, a baby, an infant. Um, there, there's not like some sort of magical shift that happens once you see the light of day, and oh, now you're a new status down here. No. Um, it's even possible in Scripture to die in the womb. Therefore, what does that mean? Unborn children are alive. So the Scriptures are very clear. Unborn child is a person. And some scientists even concede this truth. Um, this is a quote from Barnes' pamphlet. The normally pro-abortion new scientists reported the task force that was studying um, this issue uh, finds that recent advances in DNA indisputably prove that the unborn child is a whole human being from the moment of fertilization Wow, that all abortions terminate the life of a living human being and that the unborn child is a separate human patient under the care of modern medicine. Now, of course, there are many scientists and, and doctors who would deny this because of their agenda to promote abortion. But here are some scientists saying, look, this is a separate, distinct human life with its own set of DNA. It's a human being. And we should remember that the killing of the unborn is a religious act, even if it's done in a very sterile environment of medical clinic. It is a form of child sacrifice. There's always a deeper idol, a deeper spiritual thing at work in any abortion. And the, the, the idol could vary from person to person. Um, everybody has their own story, right? Um, but very common idols are, I want to live a carefree life. Right? This child is going to kill my ability to have fun. Um, I want this certain career. This, having this child will, will kill my career. I want to be just in control, or I'm afraid. Lots of idols we could list here. Uh, but we should remember, it's always a spiritual issue that's at work here. And the scriptures condemn soundly excuse me, um, child sacrifice. And that's what this is. It's offering up a child for an idol. Um, so we shouldn't Shouldn't bat an eye at what we're seeing here. This is more than just the sin of murder. It's a sin of idolatry. Now, some people say, well, we shouldn't, um, we, we should, uh, you know, maybe avoid abortions in general, but there are certain special circumstances that make it okay. Uh, what if the family's really poor? And if they have this child, you know, there'd be great hardship. Maybe the child won't even be able to, to live or the family won't be able to live. Well, would we put to death poor people? Um, if they're in similar circumstances, of course not. If this is a human being, which it is, this unborn child, um, it's the same, same issue. We don't, we don't put people to death just because they have a prospect of a hard life. Um, what if the child's to be born with a terrible disability? Well, are people with terrible disabilities image bearers in the image of God? Are they infinitely valuable? Absolutely. Um, the whole idea that you're only um, valuable if you're somehow like, able to contribute, to be useful to society... It's deeply, deeply wrong, right? Um, likewise, at the end of life, when somebody is in a really bad way and they're not able to do hardly anything, what do we do for that person? We love them. We care for them. We honor them as an image bearer. 
Um, what if the child was begotten by rape or incest? Well, they may not be a desired person, but they are still a person. So we should care for them. And we should, uh, we should honor them as an image bearer. Most complicated is uh, what if the mother's life is threatened? What if, um, if the child is brought to term, both, mo- term, both mother and um, baby will die? Um, this, this one is more complicated, but one thing we have to say um, on the very outset is the, you know, the, this sixth commandment, um, thou shalt not kill. What does that mean? We need to do everything in our power to preserve life and, and maximize the preservation of life. And so we should very much hesitate and get multiple opinions when doctors say there's only one possible outcome of this. Now, there have been so many, so many instances when doctors have said, well, if you keep this child, both mother and baby are going to die, and then neither die, <laughs> right? So especially seeking pro-life doctors um, to speak into this situation, um, getting multiple opinions is a very weighty thing. Um, so what are we to take of all of all of these things together? Well, when women or even men um, talk about hands off my body or my body, my choice, these are big slogans in our culture, justifying, so, so they would say, abortion. Um, when they're claiming autonomy to kill a baby in their womb, what are they doing? They're taking to themselves, arrogating to themselves a prerogative over life and death that they do not have. God alone is the Lord over life and death. He alone has the authority. And in fact, they don't have sovereignty over the life of their own body, let alone the life of the, this other person within them, right? Um, we're not allowed to take our own lives just because we feel like, well, it's my body, my choice. No, we are not sovereign over our own bodies. We have a creator who made us, and we live for his honor. So human freedom, it's never absolute. You know, we live in a free country. That means you should be allowed to do whatever you want, right? It's never meant that. It's always been limited freedom on the basis of larger laws at work. We do not have the freedom to murder. We do not have the freedom to steal. We do not have the freedom to destroy the earth and lots of other things too, right? So abortion is the sin of murder. And if it is the sin of murder, then we are in the midst of a worldwide holocaust that way surpasses um, anything that happened in Nazi Germany. Um, we, should, we should be aware this is one of the great moral issues of our time. This is the, one of the great moral outrages of our time. This is one of the situations that should most grieve us, the people of God, and should make us realize, like, when God looks at this, he hates this. This is a horrific sin. Sin, uh, here are these innocent, individual human beings never getting to see the light of day. They're helpless. Their own parents taking their life. Um, this is a grievous thing. So how do we respond? Well, um, Jim is going to give a lot of great info here um, in just a moment, but let me just share a few things with you. First, this. God is pro-life. He is a rescuer of rejected children. And this is even illustrated for us in Ezekiel 16. Amazing passage. It's a parable about Israel. And how does it begin? It begins with a baby girl not even being cleaned up after birth. And she's just simply laid on the roadside to die. And God says, that's what Israel was. And what does God do? He looks at her and he says, live. And what does he do? He cleans her up. He cares for her. He brings her to full, full um, maturity. And then it says he marries her and blesses her. 
That's what God did for Israel. That's the kind of pro-life God that we serve. And so we, likewise, are to be those who care for and protect those who are helpless. The usual three are the, um, uh, the alien, um, the widow, the orphan, and the widow. I messed up the order there. But uh, the, the outsider, the, the, the widow, and the orphan. Those three groups are sort of like the, the three categories in ancient Israelite society who could not help themselves. They needed the help of others, protection of others. And God's constantly saying, I just give the, those three verses in Deuteronomy, but you, it's all over the place. Care for the people who can't care for themselves. How much more the unborn? I mean, this is the ultimate picture of those who cannot care. For themselves. So we must oppose abortion in every sphere. And we should begin with prayer. Do you believe that God has the power to change this in our society? I hope you do. And what's the change we want? Well, look what the prayer request says in your bulletin. It has been there for years and years. Not just that abortion would be illegal, but that it would become unthinkable. What are we asking for? We're asking for God to address the not just the political situation that we're in, but that he would address the inner heart idols that make it so that the majority of our people in America think that abortion's okay, think that this is justifiable. Um, we need a widespread work of repentance. We should pray. We should fight against abortion in the political sphere. And as we're about to hear, we should vote against issue one on November 7th. And I have no problem as a minister of the gospel binding your conscience and telling you, you must vote against issue one. Let me tell you why. You know, as a minister, I am to preach and tell you the whole truth of the Bible, nothing less than the truth of the Bible, and also nothing more. So we care about liberty of conscience, and especially in the political sphere. A lot of times the political issues that face us as Christians are complicated. And, um, you know, you're dealing with multiple candidates, and they have all these different varieties of views and stuff. Okay, can we, can we agree that um, Christians who love the Lord and who are trying to keep his law, that they could come to different conclusions in a lot of things that we face in different elections, of course. So I'm not here to vent my political opinions, you know, and say, you must vote for this person or whatever, right? That's an instance of liberty of conscience where we want to honor the Lord and we want to obey God. doesn't mean we just sort of do whatever we feel like. It means we want to honor the Lord and think biblically. Can we always say there's a one-to-one -one thing between the word, what it says, and who you should vote for, you know, all these different issues? Most of the time, no. But here's a very clear example. It's one issue, issue one, which, as we're about to hear about, is very clearly endorsing abortion and enabling abortion and other more troubling things, too, undermining the, the authority of parents. Um, I submit to you that if you believe the Sixth Commandment, you shall not kill. There is no way that you can vote in favor of issue one. You must vote against it. And here's another dimension of this. Imagine that you're in a governmental situation where there are sort of like three people who are, as a committee, running this country. Imagine that those three people are faced with the decision, shall we, shall we uh, approve basically the equivalent of issue one? Shall we approve a law that would allow the murder of the unborn. And now imagine that you, one of those three people, decide, eh, I'm not going to vote on this one. I got other things I got to do. Would you not be guilty 
of dereliction of duty? Would you not be guilty of failing to do your duty? Romans 13 very clearly says, Romans 13, 4, that the duty of the state is to protect the lives of the innocent and to punish evildoers. In a democracy, we, in some measure, it's a representative democracy, right? <laughs> so a lot of times our leaders are making a lot of the decisions and we're electing leaders, right? But there are some times, as in this instance, where there's a referendum of the entire voting populace. And in a sense, you are now acting as a ruler of the state of Ohio. If you do not vote, you are, I think, in dereliction of your duty to oppose murder. So I, I solemnly encourage you as your pastor and exhort you, you must vote, and you must vote against issue one. So um, if you have questions about that, I, I welcome those questions. But um, obviously, this doesn't apply to people who are <laughs> under 18 and can't vote. Um, but um, OK, we'll, we'll be able to hear more about issue one in a moment. I, I want to bring Jim up very soon. But let me just offer a few other words about abortion and how we respond. We should not do abortions. We should not take medication that causes abortions, the pill, right? Um, deliberately causing a fertilized egg to miscarry is a form of abortion. Do not do that. Christians should not use the artificial fertilization techniques to generate all these fertilized embryos that then go to waste. It's a destruction of human life. Should not do that. Now, those are the, you know, sort of, we need to fight. We need to fight abortion with all our might. But we also need to work positively and recognize the opportunity that this broken situation is for love. We should help those who have unwanted pregnancies. Like, people who have unwanted pregnancies should not think of Christians as like, oh, those people who are, like, going to guilt me and make me feel terrible. And you know, we should be the people that they think of, oh, these people are going to be there to help me. So we should volunteer at and support the women's centers near us, and Jim's going to share about that. We should consider fostering and adoption. I know that's a huge thing. Like, hey, consider this ra radical change to your life. <laughs> well, you should. And we have uh, folks here in our, this congregation, if you want to talk to me, I can point you to them who uh, have lived this and can encourage you. Um, we should also, and this is one of my deepest burdens in this whole thing, we should speak words of grace and hope to those who have had abortions or who encourage others to have them and are currently filled with regret and guilt. Do you believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than the sin of abortion and the sin of murder? The answer is yes. And here's an awesome scriptural example. Second Chronicles 33, Manasseh was a baby killer who killed his own children, offering them to Molech. You know what God did when Manasseh turned back from his sin? And he asked God to forgive him. God forgave him, brought him back, reinstituted him. There is grace for you. If you have committed an abortion, if you have um, encouraged people to, to commit an abortion, um, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if you have turned to him, confessed your sin, God cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And he now declares you forgiven. Are we ready to preach that good news? I hope, I hope we are. So this is a weighty issue, brothers and sisters. I wish we had more time to um, talk about this. Um, I think I'll just take one question, <laughs> if anybody has any, because I really want to get Jim up, and we will hopefully have some more time afterwards for more questions. But anybody have any uh, question? 
All right, well, thank you so much, Jim, for coming and sharing with us. Jim is not only a deacon in our church, but he um, labors at um, Hope Rising, one of the two women's centers that we support. We're so thankful, brother, for all your work. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty um, inspired, grateful for your words, Pastor. Really a lot of truth. This is a weighty topic. And you're going to see some um, details here in just a few minutes when the slides come up um, that will really highlight uh, the issue as it is before us here today. It has already affected a number of states, and there are many more states on the horizon that those who are pro-abortion are all about conquering. They're about taking those states uh, by storm in the sense of you know, making abortion a constitutional right. So um, this, is a very, this is a very weighty topic. I really appreciate Pastor's comment about those who may have been a part of abortion. There's, just by the numbers of, of statistics and the people that are out, there's an excellent chance that someone, uh, maybe not in this room, but there's a good chance that someone has been a part of abortion in some way in the past, either knowing somebody, being a participant in it, it's just, it's just very likely. The statistics are too high. I'll show you in a minute. A study done across the church in America, four out of ten women at the time of their first abortion, at the time of their first abortion, were in church at least once a month worshiping. Five out of ten men. That's a lifeway in, uh, life in care net study in the church. And so there are initiatives right now, and I'll talk about one of those too. There are initiatives in the church right now that are trying to, to reach the church for that. And through CareNet, one of those initiatives is called Making Life Disciples. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, too. Thank you, Pastor, so much. We'll do a quick check. Okay. I want to first say, though, and I'm just really grateful to, to Pastor for this opportunity to share a few thoughts with you. I, will, I almost thought of just saying, I'll go ahead and say it. I was going to say, okay, get ready to buckle up, because there's a fair amount of slides in this. I'm not going to talk to every detail on every slide. There's going to be highlight points that I'm going to talk about, and I've actually got a little bit of a pointer that I may try to do some of that as well. But there's a lot of information. In fact, there's going to come a part in here, I just want to give you a heads up too, where I'm actually going to be reading from a script. And the reason for that is that Hope Rising, uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center, which I'm so blessed to serve at, um, is very aware there's a lot of misinformation that's being put out about Issue 1, and Issue 2 for that matter, but Issue 1 is what we're really on. There's a lot of misinformation that are going on with this November 7th election. So we want to be very careful with our words. So we're presenting a consistent message across the different venues we may be on any given Sunday leading up to this election. So I'm going to be reading from a script. Not that I don't want to be extemporaneous, but I want to be precise. It's just that important. So you can anticipate a little bit of script reading here in just a little bit as well. I want to highlight a verse that I think is very pertinent to me anyway. It really speaks to me um, out of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. I love this verse. It really, it really says to me something about this moment, and I think it may resonate with a few of you as well too. It simply says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let everything you do be done with love. That's a pretty high calling, but it's one the Lord will help us do by the Holy Spirit, and he does. Praise the Lord. So for today, I've got two main topics. We really may only get to one. Because when, when I come to a pause point in this presentation, it'll be for really talking about issue one, to, to you know, explore further things that Pastor has been so gracious to share with us, or even some of the details that I will share. 
So the second one we may not get to, and that's really not a big deal because it's something that's been in process for a while. We've had a deacon survey across what we call the, the deacons network of OPC churches uh, in the in Miami Valley. Um, and it's a great thing. It's about serving and being served within our body of Christ with the idea of extending out into the community one day. We may not get to that one because the top one is really going to be where we're going to spend the majority of our time. And I'm really going to be talking about Pregnancy Resource Center Ministries. I do want to highlight a little bit about Elizabeth New Life Center. Some of you are familiar with that as well, too. You may even have deeper uh, knowledge about that than I do, and that's a grand thing. We can, we can talk about that. But I want to highlight them briefly, talk about Hope Rising as well on the second bullet up there, and then we're really going to dig into issue one. And that's where I'll really turn to the scripting that I talked about. Okay? Let's start with Elizabeth New Life Center. They were open in 1989. They were an all-volunteer organization. They stayed that way until 1994. They have about nine locations uh, across the Miami Valley and even south, south of us, and down, uh, down heading towards Middletown and so forth. They've got a great expanse, and they're, they're, they're a Catholic-based ministry. They are all about the pregnancy resource business. Their vision, uh, this is information straight off their webpage. Their vision is entirely this, by the grace of God, we humbly labor in the culture of life. And they really do that in a really strong sense uh, with a pregnancy resource uh, activity that they do. And they've got some tremendous capability uh, that, that is really reaching our community in so many ways. The four main areas you see there, uh, free and confidential services uh, that they offer to women in the pregnancy or if they're anticipated or pregnant or anticipating being pregnant. Um, they have holy family prenatal care, and that's very extensive. I would encourage you, if you have interest, to look deeper on the website on that. Um, but that, that includes uh, access to medical doctors, uh, a cl very clinical one-on-one -on -one type of environment, um, both before pregnancy and also postpartum. I mean, they can do a lot for a person medically, for a young lady medically. And so tremendous capability there. Marriage works. They even have marriage counseling there, which I think is pretty profound. That's a great resource, and there are a lot of families take advantage of that, and that's a, that's a really good thing. Uh, and they have in-school programs. They're all about educating uh, youth about sexual integrity and, and important matters like that, uh, even the matters of relationship and dating. This is a way to get involved with them. I kind of put this up here. Just to, It's uh, pretty straightforward, you know, ENLC.life, -E get involved. Makes sense to me. These are four main areas or tabs you'll see if you go to that page. And again, it's a great ministry that, that I highly advocate for. They're Catholic-based. They're very much about the love of God and extending that to people. And, uh, and they do that very, very well. I want to transition, though, to Hope Rising for a moment. And this is where I serve. We have four locations in the area. We were started in 1982. Uh, two women were inspired by Frances Schaefer um, to, to really come alongside women in pregnancy. And so that's what they did, really, a, again, all-volunteer kind of a thing very early on. But our, the heart of what we're really doing, and this is not to say that Elizabeth New Life isn't, isn't this, but we are, I think, maybe even more so about gospel transformation. The gospel is an important aspect of, of what we do with every single client. When we have a client in a program, there will be a point in time where we share the gospel with them as we have spiritual conversations every single time we meet and interact with them. But there will be a gospel presentation at some point in there giving them the opportunity to make that precious declaration of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Vital to us. Vital to us. I can tell you, I'm, I'm living it and I'm grateful for it. But our idea is to help empower through that gospel transformation, empower women to actually choose life. Okay, and that's a pretty big deal. But also, God's design for sexual purity. It's a precious thing in our ministry that so many young women come in, they don't really have a, a, a good idea about what sexual purity looks like or how to even get there. So part of our ministry is to help them get there through the teaching that's available. It's pretty powerful stuff. 
A uh, quick little chart here that says 9 out of 10 of the clients that come to us choose life. And ultrasound is a profound influencer on that, alongside the spiritual love they're receiving from a nurse who's doing the, uh, the ultrasound for them. Pretty profound thing. And so 9 out of 10 are actually making that choice. 699 chose life last year, and 41 people accepted Jesus Christ, declared Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's a, that's a precious thing to us. I offer this quick look at some of the stats that we have uh, on our website as well. I'm not going to read through this, uh, maybe just highlight uh, 50,000 plus diapers given away. That's a lot of diapers. That's a pretty good thing. Uh, but so many other things in terms of uh, the volunteers. We have a tremendous volunteer base. If you're interested in volunteering, I can, I'm always looking for guys to come alongside guys. I do a lot of male mentoring, meeting with young men and so forth, and we're always looking for men who are wanting to step in that role. Despite our brokenness, despite you know our failures, God used us to do something good uh, and will in terms of mentoring others. So there's a lot of that going on in so many other ways to serve. We have people who just simply like to bake things and bring them uh, to give, you know, and, and there's just so much, so many possibilities. Um, and of course, that salvation decisions is a pretty precious one to me. Our ministry areas, again, this is just a highlight for you. Um, we have 24-7 uh, access to uh, information for anybody in a pregnancy situation that, that they can uh, call up and just be a part of. Pregnancy services, of course, with pregnancy tests, ultrasound. We do 3D, 4D ultrasounds, which are the, 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 the cutting edge of technology uh, for our clients. Infant loss, abortion, uh, healing, uh, I want to mention that too. As Pastor was so gracious to identify, that's important to us, people who are hurting and trying to figure it out. This is a grief situation, and the grieving stages are important to walk through. That's part of what we do, and we're so grateful to God, and it's, and it's a life changer, and it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. Um, healthy relationships important too, men's ministry, parenting programs, student outreach, uh, prison ministry is a part of what we've done as well, too. And so a lot that God is doing through our center. I want to talk about the passion, though, that I have with serving men. And uh, I, I made this little statement. I really love it. What we're really trying to do is connect with men to meet their immediate need. They're coming in. Most of them kind of, you know, in a kind of a confused state. I know I'm here. I don't know why I'm at a... We used to be called Miami Valley Women's Center. We About a year ago, we changed to Hope Rising. It kind of confused some guys and the people uh, when it was Miami Valley Women's Center. Like, why am I at a women's center? Hope Rising really are, it's very clear, we're all about the families. We always were. That hasn't changed. The vision is still the same. The name change seems to be a good thing, though. People are connecting with it a little bit better, guys coming in. But the idea is to meet their, is to really come and, and be in front of him, uh, ready to meet his immediate need, to build a sense of trust so that we now have, with a trust, even in a few minutes of, of talking, people can get a sense of whether or not you're sincere, whether or not what you're sharing is true. And what we're doing is looking to build that trust so that now we have a privilege to speak into their moment, a grand thing. Not only in terms of their present need, but also pointing them towards eternity with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so I love that what we do in that. This year, a pretty exciting thing that's happened is that um, we uh, per, uh, applied for a grant uh, through uh, CareNet. So it's the, the largest pregnancy, resource, pregnancy network in the country. Over 2,000 pregnancy centers are aligned with them for policy and procedure and so many good things to help us run well. We won that grant. Praise the Lord. And so that has helped us give us some good materials in working with churches, this thing called Making Life Disciples. I've got a very short video that I'll play, with you, play for you in just a moment. But it's pointed towards the church. And you may say, well, why is it pointed towards the church? It's about those statistics that I mentioned a little bit ago to you, and I'll show you another slide on that. But there's a reason we're trying to reach the church, because the church can make a difference. It can be that empowering agent by the Holy Spirit to reach people in a pregnancy status 
who might make a decision if they don't think they've got the right amount of support against life. And we don't want that to happen to them. We don't want them to suffer through it, and we don't want the loss of the child as well. The other element, uh, besides that Making Life Disciples Church initiative, is Dr. Dad. It's a great online course. I'll show you briefly a little bit about what that is about. But I love getting this tool into a young man's hand because it provides a foundation of 12 things that they really need to be ready to do and knowledge they really need to have to take care of their baby. And that's a big deal. And uh, I, like, I love that it's online, it's accessible, and it's a good thing. About Making Life Disciples... The reason the church is being pursued is a lot because of the status of our culture. The Guttmacher Institute, they are a very pro-choice, pro-abortion organization. They've been around for a long time. They keep, they keep statistics on abortion. And one of the statistics that they hold, and I think that they actually like to have, because it, it shows, it shows a, a down view of the church and people of religion, because if 62% of the women who are getting abortions, according to all the data they have, are in the church, so to speak, what does that say about the church? It's not a positive. And so they know that. And that's information that's posted on their site. But pro-life sources like CareNet and LifeWay also did their own research too. And as I said earlier, four out of ten women, this is a 2015 study, and I don't believe it's gotten any better. This 2015 study made it very clear. Four out of ten women, when they got their first abortion, they were in church at least once a month. Five out of ten of the guys. That's a pretty astounding fact. That is, that's research. So that's why making life disciples is a big deal. I'd like to play a short video for you. When it comes to the issue of abortion, it has become uh, America's holocaust. I come from a generation where at least a third of my generation isn't here because of abortion. And for me, that's just unconscionable. And I can't live in a society where millions upon millions of my fellow American citizens are not here. Our research found that four out of every 10 women who has had an abortion was actively going to church at the time of her abortion. And the reality is that when it comes to the abortion issue and the life issue, the church has not really been using that transformative power that it has around this issue. This is a tool that will help mobilize the church. Most pastors I know are concerned about the well-being of people in their church as well as outside of their church. Well, we need to be as equally concerned about the, the life in the womb. And so uh, because it's an issue of life and God is the author of life, that we must be in life-related issues. When I was pregnant at 17, I went to our local OBGYN, and if I had a life disciple at 17, I would have chosen life instead of abortion. So the Bible is clear that God has authored life, He sustains life, and His goal is that we might have abundant life that Jesus Christ offers. And of course, the church is the best place to offer all of it. Our goal with this curriculum is for people who will be trained as life disciples and who have an opportunity to meet with people who are facing a pregnancy decision. I mean, people who have before them life or death. Our hope and our prayer is that you will help them choose life. Okay, so that's a uh, really... 
Making Life Disciples is, is essentially really a training program uh, to really help people come aware and understand what the, the pregnancy you know, environment is like for a young couple that's trying to, to figure out the way to go and so forth. Uh, if you'd like to know more about that, I've got a little book that's up here that I can share and we can talk some more about that. But it's really about creating a sense, a set of first responders within the church to notice, to surround, and to be ready to support uh, people in a pregnancy type situation. And it's a great thing. So a lot of great resources there. I also want to talk about Dr. Dad. It's really, Dr. Dad, you may, why Dr. Dad? It really has a lot to do with um, really surrounding a dad with, with information that's going to help him do better in the health realm in terms of caring for his child. Really, right all the way from, from infancy through toddler health. And so it also carries him through the pregnancy before that and so forth, but it's really about preparing him to do this well. And also to help fathers realize that our culture tells the fathers they're really not so important in so many ways, um, in so many ways. With this course makes it very clear his role is unique and it's absolutely powerful. Just as vital as the mothers, and together they're a powerful force to raise that child, but it makes the father understand he's critical to the, to the equation. Uh, this is just a quick list of some of the things that, are, that a, a guy will learn in Dr. Dad. Everything from understanding how to deal with the baby's fever and the common cold to putting in your, the importance of putting a car seat in safely, swaddling your infant, care and caring for them, uh, all these good things and more, creating a safe environment for their child. And if anybody's interested in information about that, I actually have some, a few Dr. Dad QR code kind of things. If you're interested and in, maybe you want to give one to somebody you know or something, uh, I've got some, got some information to get them started right away on that and, and taking Dr. Dad. Okay, now I'm going to transition to issue one. And this is where I'm going to really be doing a fair amount of scripting uh, for us. So bear with me as I do. The status of abortion in Ohio. After 24 June 22, the Dobbs decision, Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect, banning abortions as early as six weeks. But the thrill didn't last long because a Hamilton County judge blocked it in September of last year. At this time, abortions are legal through 22 weeks of gestation. Oh. Thank you, saved my life. Okay. All right. But they're currently, they're currently legal through 22 weeks. That's about five months, folks. The same as it was prior to the fall of Roe v. Wade until Ohio Supreme Court issues, issues a ruling. In response to the Dobbs decision, pro-abortion forces adopted a new tactic, state constitutional amendments. Their strategy has been highly effective. Within the past year, Three state constitutions were amended, legalizing abortion up to the moment of birth, and three historically conservative states tried to pass constitutional protections for the unborn, but all three failed. Six states in one year fell to the darkness of those pushing for abortion. Now in Bolden, activists in as many as 11 more states are planning abortion constitutional amendments of their own. That brings us to Ohio. My goal in this presentation is to present factual information to you about Ohio's upcoming election the abortion amendment vote on November 7th, and how this vote could affect abortion laws in Ohio. According to the latest Ohio Department of Health report, which reported on abortions in 2021, 60 unborn babies were aborted in Ohio every day for a total of 21,813. This next statement is going to seem dramatic, but we believe it's true. If the November 7th abortion amendment passes, literally thousands more unborn babies will die each year in our state than currently do now by abortion. On August 8th, roughly, this goes back to that vote, on August 8th, roughly 10% of Ohioans who came to the polls 
voted down issue one by 57% majority. This means Ohio's constitutional amendment process remains the same, and the abortion amendment on November's ballot can pass with a simple majority of 50% plus one vote. A recent poll shows almost 58% of Ohioans support enshrining abortion rights into Ohio's constitution. Last November, Michigan voters amended their state constitution with an abortion amendment nearly identical to the one we're facing in November. It passed with a 55.7% majority. If ever there was a time for Christians to stand up for life, it is now. So let's talk about the November 7th amended proposal. This past winter, Ohioans United for Reproductive Freedom, a coalition of organizations including the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, and Pro-Choice Ohio, launched a citizen-led ballot initiative to amend Ohio's constitution. I'll highlight a few key words to help connect the dots on the ambiguously worded language in this amendment. As an, over as an overview, if the no November 7th abortion ballot initiative is passed, it would remove all of Ohio's existing abortion laws. It would legalize abortion up to birth, remove parental consent requirements for minors regarding abortion and gender treatment, remove penalties for those assisting with late-term abortions, remove the Down Syndrome Protection Act, 24-hour waiting period, and more. I will be showing you the actual language of the proposed amendment. As of now, what you, you will see on the November ballot is an Ohio Board of Elections summary of that language. But what follows is what will actually be placed into Ohio's constitution if it passes. Now let's get to the language of the amendment. Article 1 of the Ohio Constitution is the Bill of Rights. If this amendment passes, abortion will become a right equal in weight to free speech and freedom of religion. The title of the amendment is misleading. The right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. Who doesn't want freedom, health, and safety? As you'll soon see, this amendment would invalidate current abortion laws designed to regulate safety, and it will likely prevent the state from creating new laws to guarantee health and safety of women having abortions. The use of the word individual instead of woman is concerning. Using every individual without descriptors or restrictions applies to all ages to include minors, males, or females. Whenever you see the word individual, we want you to think 14-year-old girl. The use of the words has a right and one's own reproductive decisions means there is no requirement for parental consent for minors seeking an abortion. The use of the words reproductive decisions could be interpreted to include decisions about gender transitioning because they involve reproduction, meaning that a minor could have a gender reassignment treatment or surgery or an abortion without their parents even being notified, much less giving consent. Numbers one through four on this chart are currently available and there is no threat they'll be taken away. Gender transition treatments are not specifically listed here, but the text says including but not limited to. Not limiting treatments to only this list opens the door for a variety of other treatments to which Ohioans will have no choice in deciding. The state shall not burden. Burden is a legal term. Activist judges consider laws restricting abortion or regulating standards of care in abortion clinics as burdens. This could include medical training requirements. To avoid penalizing and discriminating against low-income citizens, the state of Ohio would likely be forced to cover all abortions as a form of health care, 
through taxpayer-funded Medicaid at a minimum. The Doe v. Bolton Supreme Court case established that the definition of health included all factors, including physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and age. The abortionist could be considered the patient's treating physician. Therefore, an abortionist could determine that because of anxiety, hormone imbalance, or any other symptom, that an abortion was necessary, even after fetal viability, up to the day of delivery. The outcome of this abortion amendment is clear. It will undo Ohio's existing protections for the unborn and legalize abortion up to birth, remove Ohio's parental consent laws, remove penalties for those assisting in these cases, remove the Down Syndrome Protection Act, the 24-hour waiting period, and standards of care. Over the past several months, millions of dollars have been spent in Ohio to confuse people and obscure their intentions for this amendment. Those opposing life are counting on our silence and complacency. The success or failure of these amendments depends on our voice. After Michigan Christians lost their vote last November, many churches confessed they did too little too late, or they were even unaware that this was on the ballot. Let that be our warning. I pray and encourage you to consider to doing three things. First, pray that the unborn children and women would be protected by Ohio voters. Personal, it's much on my heart. I'm praying for a no vote. Number seven, it's a big deal. There's a lot of people at stake. Secondly, speak out in whatever capacity God has given you. Visit the Ohio Election Info link at supporthoperising.org where we have factual election information to share with you. And share that with as many people as you can. Do not let anyone you know remain ignorant of this threat to the sanctity of life. Voting early makes a difference, and we encourage people to do that. It started on October 11th. Pro-life advocates share this wise advice. Do everything you can so that after the vote, you don't wish you had done more. Proverbs 24.11 calls us to rescue those who are led away to death and to save those stumbling to the slaughter. Pray by God's grace that he will spare us here in Ohio on November 7th. Now, this is a good point to pause for Q&A. Any thoughts or comments? Praise the Lord. It's your brother. Anybody else? Please? Oh, no? Okay. Yes, Bob. We, we get asked, you mean, Bob, in terms of he's saying, what, are we, what organizations are contacting us about spreading the word? Mm-hmm.
Okay, that's a great. How, how is the, the general community getting the no vote position, no vote stance? Very good question. Dayton Right to Life is very active in what they're doing right now. In fact, I don't have one with me, but we have some little brochures, uh, little uh, uh, leaflets, handouts. I've got to set on a, a Hope Rising table out back. Uh, Dayton Right to Life is working hard to get those out. In fact, I spent some time yesterday. I was very excited. Uh, I went door to door. We're basically dropping off the leaflets they're putting. You don't put them in mailboxes and stuff. You put them in appropriate places. You don't go up to a no soliciting you know, door kind of thing. You let, let them be. That's their, that's their choice. Um, but those are being distributed out throughout uh, the entire area by teams of folks going out there. And, uh, and I had a lady yesterday, I had just dropped one off, and I was going right next door because it was on my list to drop ones off. She came, I heard the door open behind me as I was trying to put a, a brochure in the next door, and she came out and said, I, I want to give this back to you. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, can you tell me why? And she said, I, I'm voting no all the way. Uh, if, if, my, if I or my daughter want to have an abortion, I want us to have the right to do that. And I, and I said, well, actually, she said, it's, it's, for, it's, it's important for our, it's a health you know, decision. And I said, well, actually, ma'am, when it comes to health on this, you know, I tried to start having a conversation, but she wasn't having any of it, and she kind of left. And I said, well, I hope you have a good day. I thought afterward about, okay, if I encounter this again, how am I going to do that? How am I going to deal with this? And so I had two thoughts. One of them is I wanted, I would want to say to her, well, right now, ma'am, you, are you aware that abortion is legal up to 22 weeks? How much further would you want abortion to be carried up to full term? 22 weeks is a long way, part one. The second part is, ma'am, you mentioned your daughter, <clears throat> that you would want her to have the ability to have an abortion. <clears throat> would you want her to have that without your consent or knowledge? My guess is no. This law, this going to the Constitution this way, makes that door wide open. Her daughter can make that choice without her even being aware. So I pray maybe for an opportunity to have a grace moment with somebody to tell them the truth. So Bob, that's, that's getting out a lot. Uh, the Center for Christian Virtue <clears throat> is another organization that is doing a lot of presentations, and we are too. Everywhere we can get right now, where people want to have, they're calling us, we're going out. But uh, the Center for Christian Virtue is also doing a lot as well on that too. So there's a lot of good information. And I'll tell you the videos are very misleading. Uh, going back, you remember that list of five things that this constitutional amendment will supposedly do? Four of them, they're done right now. They're making it sound like we're, this is going to provide something, you miscarriage, concur, and so forth. That's being done right now. It's confusing. It's, it's actually saying that it is something that it is not. This is really and entirely about abortion and making abortion accessible to all ages without consent up to the full term. That's what it's really all about. Thank you, Bob. Anybody else, please? Yes. I want to say, if you go to Hope Rising, support hoperising.org, you'll find, I'm pretty sure you'll find a video there, and I will double check to make sure and, and, if, and, and get something to you if I can, okay? Yes, please, Betty. For those of you who didn't hear that, Betty just shared Together for Life Ohio is another great website. They've got tremendous uh, videos on there, even ones that from supposed doctors that are 
uh, trying to suggest that it's not really a human life. It's just a bunch of tissue. It's just not true. So there's some great videos on that together for lifeohio.org. Okay. All right. Last thoughts? Thank you so much for, for letting me share on this and, and pastor for your thoughts. I would just offer a couple quick things. Um, sure. Absolutely, brother. Please. Would you like this? These are, these are weighty things. Um, yeah, and it's just important to remember that even, um, you know, there's this impending issue, but this is going to continue to be a battle in our country for many years, right? So we need to, um, we need to put forth the effort in this very vital time, but we also need to be um, remembering this is going to be a long-term fight for, for life. Um, we need to be pushing for, for things that will really protect the unborn for the long haul. Um, and uh, so let's, let's ask, let's go before our great God. Our Lord, we do know that um, this, this matter is um, a symptom of a much deeper problem. It is a symptom of people turning away from you, the author of life, the creator of all things, who made human life for a good purpose, to worship and to honor you. Um, that, Lord, we would be human beings who give um, not just life but love to our offspring. And that, Lord, um, this beautiful picture that you have made for us to be of you, which we call the image of God, um, Lord, we, we know that this is being rejected um, in a very evil and, and very corrupt way in our society. And it's being rejected because of idols, because people will not worship you. They worship instead all manner of created pleasures and ideas and demands. And so, Lord, our hearts plea before you um, it's not just that you would reverse this terrible symptom of human sin, but that you would really bring um, matters back to the core of our relationship to you. And that, Lord, your spirit would sweep across our land and especially our state to bring about true repentance, uh, true renouncing of all these false idols and a turning back to you. And Lord, we are especially burdened as we think of those who, as a result of their sin and their idolatry, have actually committed the sin of abortion. We pray that they would not feel um, that the path to honoring you is forever blocked, that they will forever be tarnished in their soul um, and soiled with this terrible sin, but rather, Lord, that they would see the sufficiency of Jesus Christ who died for, for our sin to truly take it away. Help us to be a people of grace who articulate that hope. <clears throat> and we pray that, Lord, you would enable many, especially those who are currently facing crisis pregnancies, um, that they would see their need for Jesus and that they would turn to him in hope. And we thank you so much for the ministries that we support, especially we thank you for Jim and his work at Hope Rising. Thank you, Lord, for his life-giving ministry to men. We pray that many of the men that he encourages would really um, take on that wonderful fatherly role of encouraging life, not just... Um, in their spouses or, or um, significant others, but in their children. Lord, um, we pray that you would use Hope Rising and continue to protect its ability to operate, and likewise for Elizabeth New Life Center, that they would continue to have the freedom to operate and to help women to choose life. Lord, we pray um, that 
that uh, many, many women who are facing a very dire choice would choose to keep their babies. Help us as a church to be a people that foster life. We pray that we would be a people who are committed to encouraging women who are in these difficult situations, supporting them, Um, that, Lord, we would even be willing to make those costly decisions to foster and to adopt, and that, Lord, we would do everything in our power to support life. And uh, we just pray also, Father, that um, to that end, that you would help us to be faithful, uh, not just as a church here, but really um, the church of Jesus Christ throughout our state, um, that it would be faithful in this upcoming election, that, Lord, uh, by your grace, you would be pleased to not allow this amendment to pass, this horrific amendment that would in so many ways dishonor you and bring about a terrible legal situation where many protections would be erased, uh, not just for the unborn, but also for parents, for children, and, um, and even for places like, like Elizabeth New, New Life Center and Hope Rising. Lord, by your grace, be merciful to our state. So, God, we ask these things knowing that you're a powerful God and knowing that you will give us the strength to continue in this fight and that, Lord, um, you, you will have the victory in the end no matter what. So we pray, help us to keep hoping, help us to um, keep persevering in this fight well beyond November 7th. And may you be honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Pastor. Um, Well, just a couple quick things to go from here. Just to say, um, we do have a survey that's really a a, a way or a means to identify ways that you and your family might want to be served. Things, everything from tutoring on there to uh, automobile help to moving help to whatever, but also to serve. And so I'll have copies of the the survey out on on uh, on the foyer out there on the table where the bulletins are. Uh, if you have any questions about the survey process, it looks like this. This is an eye test. Who can read line five? But anyway, this is page one of it, uh, and this is page two. But it's really about identifying need areas that can be, and again, where we can serve or that we can be served. And it's really a grand thing to, to support one another in, in the church. Um, if you have any questions about that, Roy, uh, up here, I'm so glad Roy's here. Tony as well or myself would be delighted to share with you. I love this verse. I will close with this, uh, our time together. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you and thank you for your time. Thank you, Pastor, so much. Thank you.